thanks for joining me for another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. And in this episode, I'm talking to Nicholas, and I hope to find out from him how someone born in Palestine ends up in the South American nation of Chile, and now in Tasmania. But I'll let Nicholas introduce himself and tell you all about it. I was born in Bejale, Palestine in 1988. It's a very, well, a small town, 5,000 people. It's uh, mostly Christians there and it's a very, very nice place. Very calm, very, I don't know, everyone knows each other and it's, it's amazing actually. But yeah, we had to move for political, I was called security. How old were you then when you uh, left? Two years and one month when oh, we left. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you don't, you don't remember much about um, no, no, I, life. I, I, I went back. That's why I know. I don't know much about it. That, of course, were my parents and my brothers. They they lived there, more, of course. Yeah. So they always taught me about it. And we were always talking with the family once a month or <laughs> every few months. In that time, it was very expensive to, you know, yeah. to call. Your reason for going to Palestine was that just to kind of feel like you were to see what it was like, or did yeah. you have other reasons? Mainly, sorry, because uh, I didn't know my family. Yeah. Like, basically, I didn't know them, besides talking on the phone or web chat. So yeah, it was a very nice thing to meet uncles and my cousins there, to see the house I grew up the first years. So uh, it was a very, ni- very nice thing. Was, that's one of the main reasons, actually. So was it quite an emotional experience to sort of uh, yeah, go there? of course, yeah. It was a very emotional thing in the beginning, yeah. <laughs> Because you were there for nine months. So did you work there as well? The first month it was just relaxing and, you know, trying to catch up with the family. And then I got a job souvenir place. Like, uh, yeah, the the idea of the languages always catch my eyes. So I uh, used to work in that place. And we had always people coming from Germany, Russia, uh, Brazil, South America. It was always a nice place to practice, you know, to sell and have a good time. Worked there for seven, eight months. I know some people will be surprised that, oh, Christians in the Middle East. But of course, Christians have been in the Middle East for a, a... Centuries. Yeah, yeah. Th- actually more than centuries in some, right. in some places. <laughs> but in Palestine, what denomination of Christianity, what's the main denomination? Because I know there's a few in the Middle East. Exactly. In, in Palestine, according to the, the numbers I knew a few years ago, we were only 2% and we were be always decreasing, unfortunately. The rest is between, um, of course, majority Muslims and a few percentage of uh, Jewish people in Palestine at least. And so I guess a lot of Christians, uh, the population is going because of migration, people migrating out. Yes. In Palestine, yeah, it's, I don't know, they just try to keep safe. And some people like to stay and, you know, fight for their, for their lands. As nice as it sounds, it's not that useful, unfortunately. Is the main danger then for people there that the, the land's being seized? Exactly. Well, like I told before, it's a history. It's a, always a two-point view thing. So mine and many's point of view, it's that, yeah, we have been robbed and <laughs> it's unfortunate, of course, but yeah, with the, how it's called, with the um, British government that used to rule Palestine after the Turkish, uh, after the, yeah, after the other one, <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, British took over. After that, they had the Belfort Declaration where they were gifted Palestine. According to Golda Meir, I believe it was, said there is a, a land with no people for a people with no land. And then they start sending uh, the Jewish from uh, Central Europe and uh, Sefer- a house called the Sephardi and Ashkenazi from Europe to Palestine. So yeah, slowly, slowly they have been uh, growing in size from 1947, 1967, and then uh, they have been almost 
90 something percent of Palestine it's under the Israeli government now. yeah and so the people who were living there are uh, being pushed yes pushed out some of them been staying of course they they just moved from the, their houses forced to of course but they stayed in that place most of them of course they just migrate to different countries so you were there for nine months was that always going to be a temporary stay or did we sort of think you might stay there longer? In the beginning, I thought to stay because I felt amazing. And then I had this uh, feeling of not so much liberty or, uh, you know, it was very confined place. Uh, unfortunately, in the West Bank that they called, of course, in, in the American world, <laughs> it's uh, very restricted. It's like uh, if you want to go from one place to another, you have to take a, um, it's called a pyramid, so to speak, a tasriya in Arab. And so you have to, if you want to go to Quds, to uh, Jerusalem, it's a 10 or 15 minutes ride in, in car. But uh, if you want to go there nowadays, you have to take a tasriya pyramid and it will take maybe two hours to pass through the checkpoints. Right. And it's up to them if you want if you can pass or not depending if you have the permit or not doesn't matter depend on their mood so <laughs> i went twice there imagine i was nine months 50 minutes away I went twice that's it i couldn't go because it was it's very difficult to get a permit in first place and it doesn't worth it actually to stay there one two hours waiting in line i feel that yeah after that those episodes in the in in my trip I felt very yeah, uncomfortable and I missed the liberty of <laughs> living in Chile. And you know, you can go anywhere, any place inside of the country, nobody asking you what are you doing or where are you going. So that was a big, big thing there. Why Chile? Why did uh, your family move to Chile in particular? Well, my family in particular, because of uh, my family side, my parent family side, my, my, my father, sorry, he has family there. So we are, they already, you know, have everything established, the homes and jobs and stuff like that. So it's yeah, easier to get to. And besides that is the weather, the agricultural way, uh, side of the things like fruit and veg is the same. You have the, you get the same spices. It's, it's very, very useful for us, <laughs> you know, like you feel at home easier. Yeah, that's why. And what the general attitude to the whole Palestinian-Israel issue in Chile is? Are they sympathetic? Chileans are very sympathetic, so to speak, yeah, with Palestinians, especially. So yeah, they support the cause, like Palestine must be free and stuff. They they go always to the protests and marches, and they're very very. Uh, supportive in that manner but yeah they, they understand our point of view like i told you yeah. because they hear they hear our part of the story and uh, you have people of course they hear the other part of the story and but in chile mainly yeah you have a big very big support for the palestinian conflict i mean the palestinians in the conflict yeah i guess that's an important reason for choosing a place isn't it that there's that you feel you can adapt very relatively comfortably in your environment um but you and you mentioned that there was already a something of a history between Palestine and Chile? Yeah, um, uh, there was a big migration in 1920-something, uh, the beginnings, uh, even before, but the big migration in 1920s. Mostly because of that, people were migrating there because of the weather and the, the uh, how, cold, how fertile the, 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 um, the earth was, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then, then you just keep contacting the family, come here, it's nice, it's good. And <laughs> yeah. how, that's how it went. Slowly, slowly. Tell me about where, where, where did you grow up then in Chile and what was it like? Yeah, um, well, we, we moved to the capital, to Santiago. Mm -hmm. It's uh, well amazing in that time and 
even now I think there is no problem with the, they don't have any issues with migrants or anything. They are very, very open-minded and uh, they welcome you very, very well, especially with the Arabs, <laughs> with Palestinians. They have a very, very close relationship because of m many of them that came before. They opened factories and uh, they uh, start up many, many new, I was called, uh, jobs for many people. So they help the community. That's why the community was always uh, grateful for it. Santiago was a very, very populated place. Uh, well, in that time, I don't know, but nowadays it's like 8 million, in, 8 million people in that area. So it's very, very populated and it's always long distances to go from one place to another. That was a very big thing for my parents because in Palestine, it's a very like 10 minute way yeah. from here to there. Yeah, but the place, it's very nice. Like I told you, the weather is very similar. So very hot in summer was uh, something that didn't affect much the, the way of living. But uh, yeah, the place was very, very advanced, very... Uh, Chile was, according to, to many, it's one of the most advanced uh, countries in South America. So it was very good. And so growing, growing up in, in Chile, did you sort of feel that you were... That Chile was your home or did you always sort of think, oh, Palestine's my real home, I'm just here? Yeah, actually, it took me a while to realize that. But yeah, I always felt like I didn't fit there, so to speak. I don't know if it was me or many had the same uh, thing, you know, when they migrate to Chile, but it's a very nice place, very nice people, like many, many places, of course. But uh, I don't know, I always had that thing of um, different, different ways, of course. And when I, I went back to Palestine in 2012, even though I wasn't like very comfortable there, I felt like it was, yeah, it was my home. It was very different. I feel like uh, walking on the street was very different. Like, I don't know, it felt uh, very relaxed and uh, that you could do anything you want and uh, say anything you wanted and the way you wanted to, you know, and uh, you wouldn't be uh, looked at different. So I felt in that time, so imagine it took me 20 something years to realize that. But I always felt like I didn't feel there in, in Chile at least. So I always wanted to migrate to another place. I took my chance and went to Norway the same year, 2012. Stayed there for a few months. I tried many things. Uh, didn't get any paperwork, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then I decided to go to Palestine. So after you went Palestine, you went back to Chile, and that is that when you you started working. I uh, went back and worked with my family in the family business, the Arabic restaurant. It was always a nice nice thing to do. You meet lots of people every day. I used to be like the person in the front of the house, so I love to I love to do that. It's something it's very sacrificed, of course. It's uh, you you know like anyone who has his own business, it's that twenty four hour thing, all year non-stop so that's the only bad thing about it <laughs> and uh, yeah and then i had the uh, my uncle coming from australia and going from australia and i met him there and uh, he started telling me about australia and uh, how things here and changed my mind a little bit and instead of deciding to go to another place to try you know to migrate i just took the chance and came here so was there anything that your uncle said that sort of really sparked off the idea or really attracted you to australia not much. It was like the, the language thing. Of course, it was a very, very important because I was always taught to go to Germany too. But yeah, German to the course and stuff, it takes time. It's lots of money to invest in. And English, it was, so to speak, my third language a long, long time ago. Never spoke it properly in Chile, I believe. But uh, in here, I was, yeah, it took me a few weeks and yeah, it was very good. So that was one uh, that was called very important reason to come here too. 
what led to you coming to Tasmania? So I decided to study technical engineering and one of the few places in regional places that have that synthetic in Hobart. Well, price-wise too. <laughs> I was thinking to study another house called a master's in IT. It was too expensive for me. So yeah, I decided for that and brought me here. Okay, so you came here as a student? Yes. Okay. And so when did you when did you come here? I came here February 2019. You mentioned you, you were in Australia before you came to Tasmania? Yes, uh, yeah. I moved to Melbourne 2017, the beginning of 2017. Uh, I stayed there for a year and a half. Then I uh, had to work in the Northern Territory in Queensland. After that, went back to Melbourne. Then I decided to do the, the study thing and yeah, just came here. And why did you, why did you choose Australia in particular? I have family, aunts, uh, uncles and cousins, of course. So yeah, it's one of the big reasons, you know, easier to adapt. And what did you know about Tasmania before you came here apart from the university? Actually nothing. <laughs> I was very ignorant about it. So yeah, it's very, very nice to learn about the uh, the place itself, the, the history that had. I saw a movie, very interesting one called The, the Nightingale. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, it was I filmed was, here. I was in it. All right. Yeah, nice. convicts. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chain gang. I can see. And what have you found to be some of the, in trying to settle down in Australia, what have been some of the bigger challenges that you've Found. Getting a, a, a job, <laughs> very hard. I respect a lot and I always, I will encourage anyone to do the same as they do in here. They always put in front the Australian first, in front of the other person, like to get a job. And it, that's very good. But yeah, it was very hard <laughs> yeah. for the same for the same reason. Uh, even though if you have the experience, uh, you have done the same thing for years or uh, you are very good at it, they will always put the other person in front of you. So that makes it, yeah. It took me seven months to get a job here. Yeah. I heard many people saying the same. So nowadays I work in uh, Aldenmark, uh, a structural engineer technician. So yeah, it's amazing work. I mean, very nice place to, to work. It's very relaxed and and uh, you always, uh, as called, you feel like you have done a good thing. You feel accomplished in the place. So how did it, how did you get the job then? Did did your tutor recommend you or did you... yes he recommended me and they were looking for like at least three four people in different areas of course in the company yeah they, of course they they want to like invest in me because when you start working that kind of companies they have their way so if you learn from the from scratch their way you always do it that that way and it's the best for them I believe. What, did, what advice then would you offer to people who are fairly new about maybe finding work in Tasmania? Apart from that, it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. Uh, no, it's just to keep trying. Go every week, every two weeks to the same place even. doesn't matter. <laughs> just keep pushing CVs in every place you find in the beginning. doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's something, you know. So, yeah, just keep trying. doesn't matter. You will get it someday and, I don't know, that's how it, it starts. It's very difficult, but... And did you do any other jobs before that, like just to, like to fill in uh, to temporary jobs? The first job I got, it was in Blair Office Furniture in Argo Street. I used to work there like doing, well, anything actually, everything in the company. <laughs> used to work like in the office, in the warehouse, deliveries, assembly things, anything that came up actually. But besides that, I used to work with my friends uh, cleaning Airbnbs and, uh, you know, like particular cleaning. So it was very... Uh, I don't know. You don't do those stuff in Latin America. Normally, you don't do it. You, you don't think you're going to do it like for a living. I believe many have told you that, but 
Oh yeah, it's very big step, and you mature a lot. You you start seeing things with different eyes. You don't have that perception of all oh, this job is uh, that kind of people do it, or this this other one or oh, only this one do it. You just lose that. That's what I love actually about the culture in Australia overall. It's they don't have this this difference between people of a different kind of uh, I don't know neighbors. And that's amazing, really. Yeah. Okay. So so you sort of. I've changed your perspective a little bit from yeah. from that experience. Yes, I mean you always have the your maybe everyone has that your parents telling you no job is you know uh, no job is bad or there's always something to do blah blah but you don't take it like as in here as in Australia it's like really no job is <laughs> it's no problem you know you can do anything nobody will tell you anything nobody will judge you in 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 Chile and maybe in all Latin America. It's like, yeah, people are very judgmental in that in that manner. They are very, uh, they, uh, I don't know, they talk about you if you do some so, sort of things. And I don't know, you have a different social status, maybe. You always have to study something. You have to do, um, uh, I don't know, many people nowadays do masters, PhDs, blah, blah. And they apply for any jobs anyway. <laughs> so it's just the, the status thing, the, oh, I have done this, I have studied this. It's very important for the Latin American culture, I believe. In here, it's, well, good for you. Keep doing it. And I was like, good on you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's nice. It's uh, refreshing uh, for us. What do you think are the biggest differences in the, in the cultures between Australia and Chile or also maybe you can talk about Palestine as well. Like I mentioned, actually, it's the, the open-minded way people are here. Very welcome to, I don't know. I heard many times in when I was in Queensland, they told me, oh, they're, they're very like, they don't like foreigners and stuff like that. I never had that problem with anyone. I heard that from many people. Because I was curious about how people react to, if you say from Palestine, whether they're, they're curious or they're a little bit like, mm. <laughs> what's what's the typical what, what, how do people typically react to that well putting it in this way when i came here they recommended me to shave before <laughs> beforehand i was like yeah it's in the airports i don't know why it's a big thing i was like in here <laughs> but uh, when you come from of course i wasn't here before so when i first came i was like oh yeah you should shave before you go in the airport it's a big difference. i don't know they have very uh, picky <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, you always get that thing. They always say it's a very natural thing. It's like you always, I don't know, put in your mind Arabs are like this. Uh, and yeah, all Arabs are uh, guys with big beards. And <laughs> yeah. and that's, yeah, it depends on anyone. But uh, that's the way people in the media are, are how it's called, are developed, so to speak. Yeah. Their minds are developed like that. Everyone has that. But and, and until you, you, you just travel around or meet different people, you always have that close mind view. So you always have to be very, I don't know, you, you always have to have it in your mind that some people are going to be like that. They always have that point of view. I just laugh about it. Actually, I don't care. I... So what would, what's then your favorite thing about so far, about living in Tasmania? Well, I haven't done it much, but in Tassie at least. I love doing the hiking here, the, the sightseeing. So yeah, it's mostly mostly the nature of uh, the place, and uh, yeah, and, and of course the people really, really love the people here. Mm -hmm. uh, they always feel uh, they always make you feel welcome, and they're very kind. So. 
mostly those two things, nature yeah. and the people. <laughs> so has it been e easy to get to know local people here? Yeah, very, very easy. Uh, when you go to any place to buy something, they say hi, you start talking. Of course, you have any many, many kind of types of people that some doesn't want to talk and that's it. <laughs> but yeah, the people who really you interact with and they, they become very fast your, your, uh, your friends, so to speak. So it's very, very easy. Yeah. Is, there, is there anything you think that you didn't know, you didn't learn from your research, which you only discovered when you, were, when you came here? Yeah. It's uh, like, uh, depending on who you know, is where you are going to get to. It's like, <laughs> that's one of the things, well, of course, it's after you come here, for sure. It's impossible to research that, I think. And yeah, it's depending on how, how, who you know and how do you deal with people. Uh, you have to always be open-minded. You have to help everyone you can. And uh, especially when you are new, newcomer here, try to help uh, even, uh, even if you are the your first days here. I don't know if you can help anyone do anything or because you will have many people helping you. Lots. That's the very, very amazing thing about the Latin American people here, at least. Mm -hmm. They are amazing. That, that thing is like you can post anything on Facebook and everyone will help you. It's like, oh, I can get you this. I can take you here. Or they can give you recommendations. Just make friends. Thank you for listening to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Don't forget you can also follow us on Spotify, Facebook and Twitter. Just look up 177 Nations of Tasmania. And thank you again for listening.